you are listening to By the Book. Because if you don't look at the world through the Bible, you will never see it right. Welcome to By the Book. This is Alan Griffith, your host for episode 108. We are glad you're listening to the podcast. We hope it will be a blessing to you. We are in a series talking about the faith. That term is found in the New Testament maybe 30 times. It is an important term because it is a term that is used in Scripture to define and to describe Christianity. And we have pointed out that there are two aspects of the faith. The first aspect is what we've been talking about over the last uh, number of episodes, and that is the essentials of the faith. And we mean by that the things that somebody has to believe in order to be a Christian, what somebody has to believe in, in order to be saved. And they include the following things, biblical inerrancy. The Bible is the inerrant and inspired word of God the deity of Jesus Christ, the virgin birth of the Lord Jesus, redemption through Calvary and the shed blood of Christ on that cross, salvation by grace through faith, the resurrection of Christ, and the return of Christ. Now, those ideas are not something I came up with. Uh, They were first put out back in uh, the early 1920s, as I recall. And uh, there turned out to be, in in some discussions, five uh, doctrines, uh, some seven doctrines, but they were trying to lay out, again, the foundational truths of Christianity. This is what Christians believe. This is what the Bible teaches as essential to the Christian faith. So we've been talking about that. If you've been listening, you know that. But now we want to move on because a second aspect of the faith relates to the expressions of faith. In other words, the manner of life that we live. There is a way that Christians ought to live to demonstrate their faith, and the way we live is a part of true Christianity. Now, I want to emphasize very quickly, once you're saved, you're saved, and how you live does not affect your salvation. Praise the Lord for that, because if if you could lose your salvation, some people believe that, but if you could lose your salvation, then every single one of us would lose it. Because if you could lose your salvation, it would only take one sin to break that relationship with God. Now, sin breaks fellowship with God, but it doesn't affect our relationship with God. When you're saved, you are born again, you become a child of God, you will forever be the child of God. So, in the things that we're discussing now in this series, we are not talking about a works salvation. We're not saying here's how you have to live in order to be saved. But what we're trying to see in the scripture is this, that the Bible says if you are saved, then there is a way you ought to live. There is a manner of life that matches and properly expresses the doctrinal truths that we believe. So, 
Uh, let's get into it by thinking of Philippians chapter 1 and verse 27. And I'm going to read that verse to you in just a second. Here's the verse. Paul says to the believers at Philippi, only let your conversation, and as you may well know, that's not talking about us talking, it's talking about our manner of life. He said, only let your conversation, let your manner of life be as becometh the gospel of Christ. Now, I can think of many times when I was growing up, my mom would rebuke me and say, that doesn't become you to act that way, to talk that way. It doesn't become you. And what she meant was, for who I was, my life should have been different, and I was doing things that were not giving a good testimony of who I was or who I was supposed to be. The term becometh here in the text is a term that means worthy. And so here's what Paul says, only let your conversation, your manner of life, the way you live, be as becometh the gospel. The way you and I live should be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Paul goes on, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. You see how Paul ties that together? You see the case that Paul is building is the same case that we want to build and that is our manner of life should be worthy of the gospel of Christ that we believe. Now, you can't get away from that, and too many people are trying to get away from it. Christianity has become lazy and cheap and casual and worldly in too many settings, and that's not the way the Bible teaches it. I'm reminded of Paul writing in Ephesians 4. He said, beginning in verse 1, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye would walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Walk worthy is what Paul says. Walk worthy of your calling. Walk worthy of being called and named a Christian. So what's the point again? Doctrine affects the way you live. And Christianity is a combination of belief and practice. And again, I want to emphasize, you get saved by faith. And when you're saved, you're saved. God gives unto you eternal life, and you will never perish. You are in God's hands, and nobody can ever take you out of his hands. And you can't even jump out of his hands. Praise the Lord. You are 
as we often use the term, eternally secure. However, there's a way that Christians then should live. We should live out the reality of our faith. Think of James chapter 1, verse 17. He says, Faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. Now, the way I heard it years ago, and I use the same expression, you get saved by faith alone. But the faith that saves is not alone. And that was the concern of James when he was writing about this issue. He goes on and says, Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. You see, our works, the life we live, is how we show the reality of our faith. And it also shows the reality of Christianity. Genuine saving faith will manifest itself in godly living. 2 Corinthians 5.17, what a great challenge. And I want you to think about what this means to you. And I wrestle with what it means to me and what it's supposed to mean. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Paul said, therefore, if any man be in Christ. Now, one of the marvels of salvation is that when you come to know Christ as Savior, you're given the gift of eternal life. But something else happens as well. The Spirit of God indwells you. Something else happens. You are taken by the Spirit of God and put into the spiritual body of Christ, which is the church. And you are called from that point on being in Christ. Now, when those things happened to us, when we got saved, we didn't know what was happening. At least I didn't. Uh, I wasn't educated at all in Bible truth when I got saved, so I didn't know anything about this. I just knew I was lost on my way to hell. I needed to be saved, and I cried out to God to save me and put my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So I didn't know about this. And again, I'm assuming you probably didn't either, but what a great statement. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature a new creation. The verse goes on. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. What's that mean? When you get saved, you're a new creature in Christ. Old things pass away. Can you think of the things that passed away in your life when you got saved? All things are become new. Can you think of the newness of life 
when you came to know Christ? That's the message. It's an incredible message. It's an incredible challenge. Let me ask you to turn in your Bible, if you have your Bible handy, to Titus chapter 1. Paul is writing to Titus, and here's what he says. Verse 10, for there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. Verse 12, one of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said, the Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies, slow bellies, excuse me. Well, were these people saved or not? This is what Paul went on to say in verse 13. This witness is true, wherefore rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. Well, evidently this crowd were professors of salvation, said they were saved, but Paul said to Titus, listen, uh, this crowd is wrong. This crowd is in trouble. You need to rebuke them sharply. Why? That they may be sound in, and there's our term, the faith. Now, they may have been saved, but they weren't living like it. They were not putting on display the reality of salvation. Verse 14, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from the truth. Unto the pure, all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. And then here's verse 16. They profess that they know God but in works they deny him, being abominable and disobedient and unto every good work reprobate. I want to tell you there's a lot of people today who profess that they know God, but in works, in the life they live, the way they talk, the places they go, the things they do, in works, they deny him. Now, Paul goes on. We have a chapter division. There was no chapter division in this letter when Paul wrote it. But in chapter 2, he says to Titus, But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, the things that become sound doctrine. That particular word become in this verse means to, to be conspicuous and, uh, and distinguished and fit. So he says 
to Titus, you need to speak the things which are conspicuous and distinguished and fitting for sound doctrine. You mean there is a life that fits sound doctrine? There is a way to live that fits sound doctrine? Yeah, that's what Paul said. So verse 1 again, Paul to Titus, speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. And then he goes on and lays out a list of things that are appropriate for believers that match up with sound doctrine. Here's what he says. And we're not going to take time to explore this in depth. I'm simply trying to make the case, and we'll continue to try to make the case in future uh, episodes that there is a life to be lived that matches Christian faith. You can't have Christian faith and live a worldly life and be right with God. So here's what Paul goes on to say to Titus in Titus chapter 2, beginning in verse 2, that the aged men, he says, here's how the older men ought to live, and it's to become the sound doctrine that they believe. The aged men should be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, that's our term for love, and in patience. So here's what Paul's saying. Show me an older man who says that he's saved. And if he is saved, then this is what his life should be like. He should be sober, serious. He should be grave about the things of God. He should be temperate. He should be disciplined. He should be sound in faith. He should be sound in love. And he should be sound in patience. Now, that is a life that is expressing the faith of Christianity. That's a life being lived that matches the testimony of being a child of God. And if a man, an older man, is living that way, there's something wrong with his testimony. He may be saved. He may be on his way to heaven. But his life is not matching the truths of the Bible about salvation. Paul goes on in verse 3. The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness. Paul says, you know, an older woman should live a life that is worthy of the holiness that she has in Christ. He goes on and says this about the older woman. Not false accusers, not given to much wine. That does not mean being given to a little wine is all right. Teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women 
to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. There it is. A person says they're saved and they don't live a life that matches the testimony of the scripture. Well, what's happening? The word of God is being blasphemed. The word of God is being mocked. There is a way to live that matches being saved. There's a manner of life that matches the doctrines of salvation. Verse 6 of Titus 2. Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded. What's that mean? I always say to put it in very simple terms, it means grow up. Young men exhort to be sober-minded. Get the young guys to grow up. Sometimes young men would look at these few verses and say, wow, look at all those things for the, for the young woman. Look at all those things. Be sober, love your wife, love your children, be discreet, chase, keepers at home, all these things. And for me, a young man, boy, only one thing. Yeah, one thing. One thing that is absolutely critical for young men. Grow up. Paul went on and said this to Titus. In all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works. In doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. Exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters and to please them well in all things, not answering again. Verse 10, not purloining. That suggests the idea of of stealing, keeping things back, keeping things from their master. Not purloining, but showing all good fidelity. Now listen to it. That they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. You see that? Now, you know, the the life being lived by many today, the life of worldliness, the uh, the life of uh, uh, non-commitment, insincerity, unfaithfulness, that life is often justified by people on the basis of Christian liberty. And we're going to get into that along the way. I don't want to get far astray from some of these texts that speak specifically of the faith. But we're going to get to that area because that's the realm of confusion where people think, well, I have liberty to kind of do whatever I I want to do because I'm saved. That is not biblical. Is there a place for Christian liberty? Yes, there is. There is a place where we have to decide what we 
want to do compared maybe to what somebody else does, and and neither one of those choices may be sin in themselves, but there might be disagreement. Yes, there's a realm of liberty, but we should never confuse liberty with the Christian life that God wants us to live. So I want to go back to Jude. We've talked about this. Again, we're not going to complete our discussion of it, but I want to go back to Jude because I want to make this case. It's a burden on my heart. It's a burden for Christianity. Christianity is not strong today. It is weak. Christianity is not what God wants it to be. The Lord Jesus said we are the salt of the earth and we have lost our savor. I think of the songs of old that portray the the church as an army of God marching forward, serving, battling, winning. That's not the church today. The church today is very weak with very little impact on the surrounding world. So here's Jude, verse 3. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, the salvation that we share. You know, it's wonderful to be saved. It's wonderful to have brothers and sisters in Christ. My my wife and I talk about the, the friends that we've made all over this country when we have meetings, precious, precious friends who were saved, we're saved. And Jude is saying, I just wanted to write and rejoice in salvation. But he goes on and says, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Now, there's our term, the faith. The faith, a combination of doctrine and practice. And when you get that combination together, here's the doctrine, here's the appropriate manner of life, here's the appropriate practice, then you are seeing Christianity as God designed it, Christianity as it is supposed to be lived. And we're going to see in this text that when it talks about the faith, it is not simply talking about the doctrines that we have already discussed. The faith, as described in the Bible, is not simply limited, and I certainly don't want to diminish these doctrines, but it is not limited to biblical inerrancy, deity of Christ, etc. Now, those things are critical. You can't get saved without them. But Christianity is being mocked publicly by Christians who are not living the way they ought to live as born-again believers. That was Jude's concern. He said, I found it was needful, it was necessary for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once, once and for all, delivered unto the saints. I challenge you to think about your life. If you're a born-again Christian, does your life reflect that Christianity 
to the world around you. Maybe you're an older man. Uh, Does your life match up to what Paul told Titus? Maybe you're an older woman. Maybe you're a young woman. Maybe you're a young man. I don't know where you are in life. But Paul said to Titus, I want you to preach and speak those things that becometh sound doctrine. And he did. How do you match up? And that's my challenge for me. How do I match up? So listen to what Jude said. He said, the faith have been once and for all delivered unto the saints. There are no changes coming to Christianity. The book, the Bible, gives us the truths of Christianity. So it's all settled. But Jude said to these people, you're going to have to contend for those things. You're going to have to fight for those things because those things, Christianity at its best, is under attack. And it's under attack, to be sure, from the outside. And boy, more of that's coming, I'm afraid. But you know, the greater attack is the attack from the inside. I think Satan learned long ago that when you attack Christianity from the outside, you end up purifying the church because the phonies aren't going to pay the price to stand for Christ and they'll just walk away. And so you'll be left with a a pure church. No, he learned the best method he has is to attack from the inside, to weaken and destroy from the inside. And so here's what Jude said about this matter of contending for the faith. And we're not going to have time to explore it very far. But he said this, there are certain men crept in unawares. You know, if somebody's going to undermine Christianity, they don't usually announce it publicly. Like, hey, I'm standing against Christianity. No, they sneak in. They work their way in. They creep in unaware. I want to tell you that's what's happened in our country with this terrible conflict with the Jews and all of the outrage against the Jews from our college institutions and other places. You say, what happened? I'll tell you what happened. Teachers got in, men got in and began to to, uh, undermine great truths and uh, build a hatred for the Jewish people. Well, when it comes to Christianity, believe me, there are certain men who have crept in unaware who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. The warning is given in the Bible. We're going to see that as we go forward in this. The Bible tells us these things are going to happen. But then here's what he says about these men. He says they are ungodly men. And I want to emphasize this over and over again, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness. And we're going to not go to the further statement in this verse, in this episode, but that's what he said. That's the concern, turning the grace of God into lasciviousness. Lasciviousness means living without restraints, without discipline, living in a way that is certainly not matching up with Christianity. And and Jude says, here are these men who have come in and they're teaching this and people are buying into it that since you're saved by grace, you have liberty to live often in an ungodly way. 
a way that does not magnify the Bible. It does not magnify Christ. It does not glorify God. And yet you call it Christianity and you claim liberty. Well, it's wrong. It's wrong. And we need to battle it. We're going to talk more about it. Lord bless you. Till next time.